I think for Munster, for them in order to get a performance and a result, they need to concentrate on how well they played over the last eight weeks since that kind of post Six Nations win. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Now we're going to turn our attention to Hurling. Very happy to bring in nine-time All-Ireland winner, seven-time National League winner, nine-time All-Star Tommy Welch. I'm giving you the big build-up there. How are you doing? Yeah, good evening, Joe. Is it true that you ask people to mention those credentials when you walk into a room generally the first time each morning at work? <laughs> well, I try and encourage it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've loads to talk about. I mean, Munster's turned on its head totally. We might start with Leinster, which we often neglect. And let's start with Nolan Park at the weekend. 13,500 watched. Kilkenny 118, Wexford 122. Did you go to the game, Tom? Yeah, I was at the game. Um, huge crowd. It was behind the goal because... About 40, usually it'd be later, but about 40 minutes going into the game, or before the game started, we arrived with the family and all, a couple of friends, and we could, there was only room really in, in the stand behind the goal. And it was a great opportunity, I suppose, to see how teams set up for puck outs and a different angle, I suppose, because usually you're fighting for the centre, the, the, the middle of the stand, the middle of the field for the best seats. But uh, for, for this occasion, we're behind the goal, and you know, it was much different tactically. Uh, much different atmosphere but you know enjoyable to watch even though the result wasn't good Anything jump out to you about the tactical setups? Yeah like the movement that goes on in the inside line when the ball isn't around is is unbelievable you know um, like I think definitely the hardest position on the field at the moment is the full back line usually there's only two of them left in there and you're marking speed racers like really and uh, you're just waiting and waiting and you're hoping to get out in front and if it's not, the ball coming in is usually perfect. Um, now, last Sunday was a little bit different. It was a war of attrition. A lot of the ball came in high, would you believe, uh, into the two men inside. So it wasn't as dangerous. But I'd imagine if you're marking Davy Hutchinson or any of the Limerick full forward line, I would imagine the ball coming into them to be next near impossible to mark full forward line. But I, uh, what, what did I notice the most, Joe, was the space now on the hurling field seems to be from 30 yards in. So it's just pure, you know, traffic congestion out around the middle third where everybody's out there besides two in the full far lane, two in the full back lane. Yeah. Which I would think is nervy enough for a defender if it's just you against your man. Yeah. Um, I was I was in that position once, I'd say. It was housing 12 All-Ireland final. Uh, tactic had come into it at that stage and the Galway team at that stage at Cyril Donnell and Joe Canning and all lads and they were moving so when the ball went wider went over the bar they used to rotate so you, you wouldn't be marking the same lad the whole time so this is the was the drawn game because we had been beaten by him in the Leinster finals so we were trying to learn from from our um, from our losses so we decided to follow our men that day so I was marking Cyril Donnellan ended up in the full back line and in the second half Joe Hanning and all the Galway half ordering retreated back the field trying to you know chase back they were in the lead by six or seven points at this stage. So I was left up there with Cyril Donnell and all of my own. And I can tell you, <laughs> all of them find that is nervy. So one of the things which has been pointed to is the reason Wexford beat Kilkenny at Nolan Park here, and this was a game Kilkenny conceivably needed to win, is that they outfought them, they outworked them, which is not something we say too often about a Brian Cody side. Was that your read on it? I think it was all about Wexford, really. Um Joe, they came, it looked like they were gone. Um, nobody really gave them a chance. And it was the same with anyone in this round-robin series. When no one gives you a chance, 
you turned the turnum over. We saw Cork down in Welsh Park. We saw Clare dropping six lads to give them a rest for the Munster final against Waterford last weekend. Um, we've seen Tipperary versus Waterford in the first round of the, the Munster round robin. We've seen Westmead versus Wexford. So it seems to be the, the trend of this round robin series in that if a team isn't given a chance, they come out fighting with all guns blazing and usually end up with a result. So it wasn't that Kenny didn't work hard. It's just Wexford looked like a team that was here where if we don't turn up today, we are gone out of the championship. It was just, you know, old-style knockout championship game for them. Kenny always knew once, Kikini, once Galway won, they were still in it. I know they wouldn't be thinking like that, but it's probably still in the back of your mind. If we cast our minds back to Limerick versus Clare a couple of weeks ago, they, they rested Aaron Galan, they rested uh, Darrell O'Donovan in centre field, but rewind into the first game that they, that they played against Cork. They were all guns blazing after six weeks off, everybody writing off Limerick and Watford were, were the number one team in the country, and we saw the grit, the determination. They just, let's, you know, I'm going to die out here to win a ball. Mm. Well, it was the very same uh, for Wexford this weekend, and now listen, there was, they got a few lucky breaks. They made their own luck. Young Wreck, like they saved Mossy Keown. Remember the, the ball off the line? Well, that was first of all stopped. I don't know, was it Wreck or one of the other Wrecks for defenders? Mossy Keown pulled in the ball and he stopped it with his foot. Mm. You know, it just went over the line. Then TJ came in. You'd expect TJ to pull on it with all the skill in the world, maybe sideline top corner. But no, Wreck dived, you know, with no fear whatsoever. And the ball hit off his hurl. So listen, they made their own luck. But this game, there was only four points in it. It only turned at the very end. Yeah. There was not much of it at all. Yeah, Wexford definitely had that rabid intensity that they need. And, you know, draw with Galway, Beacle Kenny at Nolan Park, they'll quietly make their way into the knockout stages and they can tell themselves they're in pretty good shape, which in fairness, they probably are. Dermot O'Keefe seemed to have a great game. He was the free man in defence. We had Damien Reck looking after on Cody, which is no mean feat. And then Lee Chin outstanding as well. Yeah, and it's, as I said here, it's behind the goal. It's not as clear cut to see who's sweeper and who's not um, with all the roving around. So looking at from behind the goal, it looked like Lee Moak McGovern and Dio Keith were outstanding. They looked very like on the field anyway, but it seemed to be whenever there was a loose man for Wexford, it was one of those two guys picking it up. If one of them was shooting forward, the other was, was staying back. And um, like I think their big men stepped up, Joe. Um, you know... Um, like Lee Chin, as you said, like he was kind of injury prone for most of the league, but he turned up with huge catches, huge wins. You know, um, um, like I think for Wexford to, 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 to win, their main men have to turn up. You look at Rory O'Connor, uh, Jack O'Connor. Rory O'Connor hit four or five wides in that first half, but he stayed going and stayed going. He was unarguably the defender of the league, defender of the championship so far in Mikey Butler. Real sticky, top tight cornerback, very fast. Well, he was getting in last-minute kind of blocks, last-minute hooks, and Rory was hitting wides. But he kept that and got some vital scores. So I think, you know, all credit to Wexford here. Even though things weren't going well for him at different times, their main players stood up when, when most was needed, you know, and uh, they were totally deserving of their win, you know. Mm. Look, I, I take your point about Wexford's desire trumping Kilkenny's under the circumstances. I suspect Brian Cody and Kilkenny players will hate the thought of that, but we have to be realistic about human nature sometimes, and uh, Wexford were desperate. But an aspect which Kilkenny have to be disappointed with is just how one-dimensional their play became. And it was just route one, route one, route one. We've talked so much about how much the game has changed. Kilkenny descended into a very predictable team 
across that 70 minutes and that's not the way they've been trying to play of late so why did this happen do you suspect? Yeah well if you go back to the Wexford or the Galway game up in Salt Hill first half Kilkenny conceded about 1-4 before half time uh, to Galway coming out with the short ball trying to and I said it at the time it wasn't their game plan that failed them on the day it was their execution of the game plan so they're coming out and they're giving a hand pass to the spare man the ball was being intercepted oh and Murphy was coming out with maybe short passes off the stick it was being intercepted so there's about 1-4 they conceded just before half time Every Kilkenny supporter around me was just roaring in. Will you get the ball into Owen Cody? Owen Cody, as you remember, I think you asked me, Joe, yeah. why aren't they getting more ball into Owen Cody? So you can't have it everywhere. So in that day when Galway defeated, the, the questions around the Kilkenny team was, why are they not getting the ball into the full forward line where there's plenty of space? Suddenly now when Wexford defeats and we are hitting long ball in, like in there, you had Owen Cody, you had TJ Reid in there at various stages. Like there was good Kenny forwards in there, but they just weren't making any. But I do get your point. I think what they have to learn is when they come under pressure, and I think it was only really noticeable in the last 10, 15 minutes when, when things were tight and maybe Limbrick or Wexford went a point or two up. Then every ball was hit long. Yeah, that was it. Was the so lack I of it was the lack of variety because I, I absolutely take your point from the Galway game where they were caught in possession in their own half and it looked like there was too much self-inflicted damage. But to lose all the variety was maybe the killer at the weekend. Yeah. They scored four points from play in the second half. That's not going to beat anybody. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. Kilkenny definitely need more variety in their play when they're under, under pressure coming down the stretch. Now, the execution has to be, you know, of top quality as well because, as I said to you, you come out, say you pick the ball up, you're Richie Reid, um, your you know Paddy there in the half back line. If you're coming out with that ball, and as I said to you, the traffic is all out around midfield. Like, mm. do we hit a short ball? Like, we have to look at this. Every game is different. In that game in particular, like every Kenya Mexer player, bar the, the guys inside, we're we're out in that middle third. So do you go short passing around in? Nolan Park's a small field for an inter-county game. Yeah. There probably was no, you know, get it out of the danger zone. Like you've Lee Chin, Lee Mo, you have Dio Keith you know, raging down the top of you. They were marking touch tight. So I think every game has to be treated on its merits. It's easy for us to say, looking in from the sideline, right, you know, hypothetically, they should have given the ball short, but there probably was nobody free. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You'd have to ask the Kenny defenders that coming out with the ball. But if it was a case that their only plan was to get the ball in long, well, then they'll probably have to think about it. Yes. But I definitely think they have to look at every game on its merits. Like, you look at the Cork team, uh, the change in their tactics... As far as I can see from looking at it from television, and it, it's not easy to look at it from television either, but it seems to be the thing that they have changed with their sharp outs, Joe, is when they were getting the balls in the earlier rounds, they were trying to break the tackle. They were trying to solo through past their men towards, and they were losing it. They were, they were conceding far too many scores on, on the turnover. Now when they get the ball, like Limerick, they're hit, releasing it fast. So if, if, say, Sean O'Leary or, you know, um, any of the court defenders get the ball, uh, Mark Coleman from the goalkeeper, they get rid of it quick. They're not trying to break through a tackle. And that's whether it's long or short. So yeah. it's much easier to do it in the big pitches as well. But mm. um, like that was in Turles, Simple Stadium on the biggest fields, um, you know, around. So I, I think Sunday, if, if Kenny had been able to catch some of them balls that went in, some of them were one-on-one -on -one and just didn't catch them. Like you look at the under-21, Joe, um, where they're being lauded for their tactics, uh, the Kenya under-21 management team. So they, they kind of suck the life out of all those star forwards for Limerick. Yeah. But what won it for them? 
was a few high balls and the Billy Drennan. Billy Drennan caught him and over the bar. Might he be fast-tracked this season, do you think? Uh, I'd always, you know, momentum, confidence. It is a major part of a, a hurler's career of moments, of uh, championship moments, championship games. Billy Drennan is in form and... Why not bring him in on the panel and maybe if you need, like the game on Sunday, you might need a quick score. You don't have to start the guy, but maybe bring him in for five or six minutes. He might get two two quick scores. Yeah. He's now an All-Ireland champion after having man the match display. How did TJ Reid look, Tommy? Because we touched on him after the Galway game as well. wasn't quite himself. Did he look a bit yeah. more at it? So, like, like Ronaldo and Messi and all these, as they often speak of him, they have to change their styles, they have to change their games as they get older. I'm not sure what age TJ Reid is now, 34, 35. Yeah. But if we compare him to all other 34, 35 year olds, when he is on the ball, he's outstanding. Um, that that goal that Mossy Keown scored in the first half, TJ Reid started that move at midfield and he sprinted. He, he, is a, you know, he has his own gym, so fitness and, and power will be a major part of his game still. And he sprinted, he got the ball back off the, off the, it was King Kenny from Kilkenny, passed the ball back, it was a bad pass. He took it from behind him, flicked the ball back into his hand and floated the ball perfect to Mossy Keown for the goal, which gives Kilkenny a, a great start. You go back to the Dublin match, um, Joe, he floated that ball for Mossy Keown's second goal again. Most other guys would have shot over the bar, um, they would have maybe crossed the ball across the square, would have went nowhere. He looked up, gave it nearly directly back to the 21-yard line at perfect speed. Mossy caught a ball back in the net. Um, I think TJ Reid, you have to compare him versus other 34, 35 rolls. And I think he's outstanding when, when he can get the ball like that. But you have to remember as well, who the players are finding it toughest at the moment, I think, is the guys in the half-hour line because there's no space there whatsoever. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the question now you were asked by everybody that you met at the weekend. What would you guess that question is? The weekend. <laughs> Don't know. Is Porig fit? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, like you know, like I, 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 he didn't tell me he's injured. Go that way. Um, like, and this will tell you about the like I was talking to him for an hour that day. <laughs> you know, out in the back garden here, we were doing a few jobs, and I didn't know he wasn't playing. And like we found out in the stand before the game. Um, that he's a steward in Allen Park and um, someone said it to him and I, you know he kind of brushed it off and then Marlies said my wife I was with Marlies I think Mammy then texted Marlies or told Marlies but kind of was kind of didn't really think that it was but I knew once the rumours come out before the game they're usually right so I knew I said to Marlies he's not starting and um, then it came over that you know the stand whoever was calling out the substitute so Listen, we didn't know he wasn't playing. We only found out in the game a couple of minutes before the game. But uh, I don't think he's injured. Right. No. Now, look, it's, it's difficult for you because you're not a disinterested party. But I haven't heard anybody, like Paul Murphy was on the hurling pod and he, he said two things bothered him about the performance. One, Kilkenny were too direct, which we've touched on. And two, uh, Porig Welch not starting makes no sense and bringing him off the bench on 67 minutes makes even less sense. Now, I know it's difficult for you, but uh, that is a very strange one. I can't make sense of it. Can you? Well, I tell you what I do make sense of. I'm a selector of our under-11 team, our under-13 team. 
nobody agrees with any decision to make, Joe. So... <laughs> I know, but yeah. well, now listen. This this is a particularly eye-catching one, no? Yeah, well, we often make eye-catching decisions at that age as well. That we think, in like our loyalty is to the team. Our loyalty is to our team getting a victory on Sunday. Depending on who you're playing, they're the decisions you make. You don't make them just wake up all morning and just throw, you know, throw in substitutions willy nilly. So obviously, Brian Cody had his um. You know, had his reasons and his management team. I don't know. I, you know, you know yourself listening yeah. too close to that to be pumped in public here and that, to be honest. No, I know it's t- tricky for you. Well, look, it doesn't make sense to me nor anyone else who watched it. So we'll see what happens in the next game. Very, very strange. Uh, one last one on uh, Kilkenny then. It feels like every time I look at a Kilkenny side, there's not a very settled look around midfield. And so we had Adrian Mullen in midfield at the weekend and. They have tried a whole bunch there across even the league campaign. The likes of Connor Brown, Alan Murphy, James Marr, Mikey Carey, Paddy Deegan, just different names in and out. They haven't landed on this brilliant midfield partnership, which often is necessary for a great side to kick on. What's going on there, do you think, Tommy, that, that neck of the woods? Um, obviously, there's no two players you know, standing up every week and putting in consistent performance is what you would gather from that. Brian Cody, as always said, he wants a settled spirit, not a settled team. So I'm not sure he's to, you know, put, put aside by, by some by that. But what I would say Adrian Mullen, I think, is number one anyway. Right. He, like, he has been, I've been a big follower of Adrian from more club stage and from an underage career, watching him at Ballyhill. He's a fantastic talent. He's a fantastic athlete. Brilliant guy in the gym by all accounts as well. And, he scored was a five or six points against Dublin. He does it consistently. I think if Kenny are to win our contest in All Ireland, they need their midfield and half back line score. You look at the Limber team, they're in the Borden scoring five or six points. Hannon steps up, Kyle Hayes, when he's back there, steps up, Barry Nash. I think the way the game has gone, there's so much sharp pass now around that middle of the third. If you want to, I think, get to the, the end of this championship, you need scores around then. That's why I think Adrian Mullen is there. And then I suppose we're changed around different guys then from so there's no one obviously, you know, putting their name, uh, putting their hand up and saying, I want that position and I'm going to uh, prove myself to be on this Kenny team for, for, for a time to come. So I think Adrian Mullen is probably a cert. And after that then, Joe, listen, this, well, they'll just have to mess around with it. I think, I think Crow, Park will, Crow Park will change things for the midfield area, for Kilkenny. Like they've been playing in tight grounds. Yeah. Combo Parnell Park, Combo Nolan Park. They've been playing in tight grounds where it is hard to get on spa- to get space out around there. I think Crow Park from now on will suit Adrian Mullen and whoever's with him, whether it's Keane Kenny or John Donnelly or whoever's out there with him. So Galway in a Leinster final. There's going to be huge build-up to this. There'll be much talk of handshakes. and uh, But the bottom line is there is a real carrot on offer here, which is to avoid Cork in a quarter-final straight into a semi-final. You'd have to make Galway firm-ish favourites because Kilkenny have been beaten twice now they're not answering the questions when they're being asked of them would you go with Galway to win that match? Uh, I, I wouldn't um, I just I I, I I take your point that this Kilkenny team haven't been you know shooting the lights out but on paper I think they're a serious team like forwards alone like you have Mossy Keown, you have TJ Reid, you have Walters. I, I know what, like say, up to the last day, Walters is one of the top players so far this season. They have Owen Cody, who was one of the, you know, two times young hurler of the year. Adrian Mullen out midfield. So I think they have 
and attack, you know, an offensive set like set up that can go far in this championship. And I was surprised. I thought we would win up in Salt Salt Hill, Joe. Um, I really did. And um, I was I was surprised that that we did lose that and probably didn't play to our potential. Now, TJ Reid not playing well that day. Was he injured? Was he not? I thought had a major impact, but he's back now, getting better and better. So I think they will. I would see it as a fifty-fifty that Leinster final. Okay. Like I just think that Galway team. I think they're a team in transition, and I think they're doing so well. Like when Henry took them over, like this isn't the Galway team of three years ago when they were. You know, we we went up to to Pier Stadium the year after they won the All Ireland, and just when they turned it on, they turned it on. This is a new look. Uh, Galway team their young players are playing well they are playing with great work ethic great spirit that Henry is probably instilling in him, in him. but you know I, I don't think if you look at them both Kenny and Galway on paper I think you know Kenny are just as good as them OK um, by the way you mentioned the 20s beating Limerick first time since 08 to come through at this stage so that's a big thing for Kilkenny is this a team that has a couple of superstars that you think could uh, make the grade or is it more just of, a, of a, a a really impressive team ethic and there are no guarantees of who might graduate yeah no I, I uh, like so a lot of these players some of these players were it's only their first year under 20 uh, so they're three years left say including this year so these guys have been beaten in two minor all earns by, by fancy Galway teams so these guys have been around Joe and have made the step up to under 20 and have won the all Ireland now in their first year Um I like Kilkenny were beaten in another 20 the last couple of years but when I looked at the team sheets I didn't recognise you know there's players they didn't jump out from off the sheet at me and say jeez I'm surprised that they were beaten I didn't know some of the players so but when I looked at this under 20 team at the start of the year I knew many of them you know you've Harry Shine and all he was missing Billy Drennan like I, I've been hearing about all these lessons are 12, 13 years of, uh, of age Dennis Welch um, you know Joe Fitz centre back seen him in a minor uh, championship against Tullerone last year these guys have been producing like Garo Dunn from Tullerone he's one of our you know shining lights in Tullerone since he was probably 10 years of age so these guys have been around and these guys names have been on everybody's lips so it's no surprise to me that they would contest and challenge uh, this great Limbo team and uh, obviously they got over the line with, with a bit of luck at the end but no the, these guys and I know people have pointed out Derek Ling and Peter Barry and Michael Rice they've changed tactics they've went with sweepers they've went with two men inside too and that's the reason they won but it, that's only one part of it uh, there's very very good players in that Kenya the 21 team and I would expect some of them to, to go on and um you know, do major things in, in in the years ahead. Okay, good. I didn't realise your dad was a steward, by the way, at Nolan Park. Has he been doing that for years? Yeah, there's four or five of them head in. They went for the get free in, so. Oh, yeah, I'd say that so. the, the, the turnstiles get an extra few turns when the Welshers come up, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the four copy are out there with that. <laughs> the season pass. Very good. So, no, the group of them go in there. They love it. They go in there and they're at matches there every weekend. It doesn't have to be a intercounty match. It could be a club game or anything. So, yeah, no, they're in there every weekend. Yeah. Very good. Nice. So way we won lad. Spend the time. We won lad. He, he was from Tullerone. He moved over from England. Lived here for six or seven years. Ian and um, for his last, he, he was leaving to go back to England after being in Tullerone and loved his time in Tullerone. And um, he was leaving there about three weeks ago to, to go back and they were moving back as a family back to England. 
and Daddy and the lads they brought him in as a steward into Northern Park for one of the matches. So <laughs> sure. he, he never saw him be a steward in Northern Park before he left. Jeez, very good. Why not make a umpire? I mean, you look for whatever the run of the place. Um, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, a question to segue into Munster then. It, it jumps out even on, on most weekends, but take the weekend just gone. We had, say, the losing sides, Waterford and Tip, scoring nearly 30 points in each of their games. We had the winning sides, Clare and Cork, pretty much on 40 points. And then, say, you know, the, the Leinster matches, it's more 118, 122 territory like at Nolan Park. Uh, I don't even know what the question is What? how do you interpret that does that mean different style does it mean better defences does it mean better forward lines what do you interpret there yeah well, definitely the, if you look at the Kilkenny Wexford the Galway teams like the first thing you nearly say with them at the moment is work ethic yeah. war of attrition toughness bring into the physical battle uh, war around the middle third if you look at the Munster games especially like look at Take last weekend, for example, the, the Cork and Tipperary match. Like There wasn't that many challenges put in by Tipperary on that Cork team, which I'd say would upset a lot of Tipperary people. Uh, Cork were able to do what they liked with the ball. So that will lead to more scores, obviously, Joe. But ah, listen, listen, hats off. If you take off my Leinster off, off here, the Munster teams are very good forward. Line. Like Cork, what's their main strength? They're forwards. Limerick. What's their main strength? They have loads of strength, but their, their forwards are exceptional. Um, Claire, the same thing. Tony Kelly, Peter Douglas, Shane O'Donnell. So listen, there, there are very good forwards in that Munster setup. But I would say it's the, the physical battle we seem to pride ourselves on yeah. as opposed to the Munster teams. And Tommy, if you go back to your playing days for just a moment, would it have been the case that, say, during the early stages of a championship season, there would have been great Munster Championship games on television, everybody raving about how great Munster hurling was. Would you quietly have been thinking to yourself, yeah, but wait until we get them in Crow Park, we'll show them what the physical game is. Do you feel it's always had that slant? Sure, I think we would definitely have been rivals. Uh, You know, we're from Leinster, we pride ourselves on the Leinster Championship. So, like you take Railway Cups, for example, like Railway Cups, what would it be at the games that time 50, 60, 70 people yeah. we were mad to win them because we wanted to show them Leinster are, you know we are the province we're the guys winning all Ireland finals we're yeah. the guys that are coming up so, so did you almost feel right. like there was a lot of hot air going when it came to people talking about Munster hurling like it was better than sliced bread <laughs> you see they were so exciting at the time weren't they Yeah. the Munster championship games um, with Kilkenny, I suppose, dominating at that stage, you know, you can re- you can understand people's reasoning behind it. They were definitely hugely exciting games, but that didn't necessarily mean that they were better. Like, our games were predominantly in Crow Park from the semi-final stage with 20, 25,000 people out there. Mm. Their Munster Championship games were in smaller grounds with huge crowds. So, and there's huge tradition of the, the, the Munster Championship. Like, Galway are only newly in it. Uh, when I was hurling I think 2009 was their first year in it but but you're right there would have been we wouldn't have been thinking it when we got to an All-Ireland semi-final or final but then it was a case of you know let's show them <laughs> um, The big question of the championship Waterford so Clare 320 it's uh, 331 excuse me Waterford 222 and Ennis in front of 16,000 Tony Kelly rested John Conlon rested Clare already through Waterford must win game nobody can put their finger on what's happened here including Liam Cahill 
So Liam Cowell talking after the game, the Waterford manager, he talked about a lack of energy around the field. I'd love to have answers. I just haven't got any at the moment. I thought that that league final would give us a real G up and that we needed to try and kick on into, into a good championship campaign. But in the last three weeks in particular, I don't know where we fell off the wagon. To be fair to these players, they performed at a high uh, level, a high percentage of the time. It's just not them to perform like this. I know it's not them and they know that as well. There's nobody hurting more than them in the dressing room. So Cal here is at a total loss as to what's happened from league final into championship. And I think we can include that Tipperary performance now in hindsight, that win on day one, which was poor as well. What's your sense, Tommy? I don't agree with the narrative around Watford. What has happened Watford is the league. Uh, if you were to wind back and look at the league in its totality, yeah. Antrim should have beaten them. It was a last-minute save by the Waterford keeper. Did Kenny beat him convincingly in Allen Park after Waterford getting a great start? Dublin drew with them. Dublin went down to Turles to play Tipperary, Joe. And you would expect normally Dublin go down to, to Turles in the league that Tipperary would turn them over. I'd say if you're looking at the results over the last 10, 15 years, I'd say most of the time it was a Tipperary win. If Tipperary had to beat Dublin that day in the league, Waterford wouldn't have made the league semi-finals. So I think everybody's opinion is based on the semi-final and the final. Mm. They beat Wexford, who, you know, they scored five goals. I think they scored four goals in, in, in the league final versus Cork. But I think it was really the Cork victory is what really was in people's minds. And if we've seen Cork, what happened to them in the first couple of rounds of the Munster Championship? Yes, they're great guys to score, but they forgot about their defensive duties. And that was both track and back, which we've went in, into great detail here in one of the, the podcasts. Yeah. And when they got back, they weren't tackling. And since they, Cork changed their mindset on defensive duties, we've seen uh, Shane Kingston the weekend getting in huge tackles, chasing back the last couple of weeks, saving certain goals. Um, we, there was one stage where Kingston, I think it was, it was definitely Fitzgibbon and uh, uh, Robbie O'Flynn in the Cork Farling, chased back and took the ball off uh, one of their opposition players at the weekend, the temporary players. I was noticing Cork putting in these huge tackles. You go back to the league final, they weren't do, doing that. So, Waterford were really able to do what they liked at that stage. So, so what has happened Waterford? I always thought that Limerick were the top team in Munster. And I thought in Leinster and Munster, everybody else was nearly, would you put money on them if you're a betting man? Would you put the mortgage on them? Would you put, you know, 100, 200 euro? You wouldn't really. Yeah. I wouldn't anyway. I thought they were all 50-50 games. There was no standout second third team and um so what now the match the weekend against clear that was so like if we look back at the, the matches right they were playing well daisy hutchinson was flying it um Bennett. like austin glees and then uh ben, yeah, and he was dropped for the weekend austin glees and then you know he was sent off and then he was you know he wasn't picked for the Tipperary match he was brought on um then you know he didn't last a full game in two rounds ago so like you know the first 10 minutes of the, the match the weekend against Clare, Ty DeVorka was gone off, Jamie Barron was gone off. So, like, they've had, you know, it wasn't simple, the, the, the fixture list even, Joe. Um, like you, do, you, now, do, you, do you think yeah. uh, they will regret uh, that league finale, going big in the semi-final, going big in the final, and then by all accounts, they didn't actually take a week off, they just kept training hard and straight into this very extensive round-robin calendar. Do you think that they have not overtrained but overexerted themselves I, I don't think so because they don't have enough 
titles. I say I know myself if if we were in a, a league final to our own, we're not used to winning, you know, county finals, league finals recently. If we were in a league final, I'd like to win it. Yeah. I'd like to have that medal in my back pocket. So if you're coming from Watford, this only one team can win the All Ireland. But they Watford have the league medals in their back pocket. But Joe, I would agree with you. There's probably learnings there for next year. Um I was speaking, I think it was to yourself again earlier on after the league final and I was saying like the in, in the history of the game, the last 20 years, the league finalists have done well in the championship. But probably what I wasn't looking at, has it changed since the round robin series has come in? And you know what? Like people, you know, I've heard people talking about our team. We were winning leagues and then we're going on winning championships. But when we won a league draw, you had six weeks off. Yeah. I think we played a lot of leagues, our Leinster semi-finals at the start of June. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's very interesting. The two managers I remember talking most about the schedule and having concerns about the schedule at the start of the year were John Kiley and Brian Lowen. And I think they went into this year with their eyes very wide open. And it's no coincidence, perhaps. With Waterford, everyone's scrambling around now for clues. So have they overexerted themselves? Maybe it's the league point we've made. Even John Milan, I wanted to put this point to you. And I'm going back to you, by the way, in the garden with your brother and him not mentioning the team news to you on the day of the game. John Milan said... This was an RT radio. He said, you go back uh, the last two years under Liam Kyle, nothing came out of that dressing room. Absolutely nothing. You wouldn't have a clue what was going on in there. But for the last couple of days, this is before the game at the weekend, last couple of days, there was a team circulating around the county. I think Liam will be thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed that the team was let out. I just think something's not right in that camp. It's not a good sign, the team being leaked. Now, again, look, if they win by 15 points, no one worries about the team being leaked. But Milan would have a feel for things. And he said... That has not been the norm over the last couple of years. So maybe something's not right in the camp, but again, you watch them winning the league the way they won the league, it's hard to feel that that's the case. Yeah, see, I and I've been there where the pride is, management have prided themselves on teams not getting out when you name a team, maybe that was different. I remember, you know, people would be asking you the team and you're trying to remember what was the team that was named out in the dressing room again that was to tell the public. It's not simple, though. It's not simple. And... Who I do feel sorry for is the, the player that is named to play and people are wishing him the best of luck and you're marking this lad, make sure, you know, go in behind him. If you get a chance, take him on, put the ball in the back of the net or, you know, if, it, if it's a forward you're going to be marking, gee, watch his left, he seems to always go on his left and you know you're not playing. There's a hard situation. I think Anthony Dale used to tell one about one of the clear players when Gerald Na named the dummy team back in the, in the 90s and uh, he knew your man wasn't wasn't playing but he still had to let on to his family that that he was playing because that mm. was a team that was named out but things have times have changed Joe right with WhatsApp so if 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 I heard an inkling of the team we'll say 10 years ago or 8 years ago well the only person I could tell was maybe my best friend that maybe I met or was driving up to the game with or you know someone down in the pub or that but now it's forward on in WhatsApp so it's everywhere within about 10-15 minutes and who lets out these teams, I think, Joe, is maybe, mightn't even be the, the starter, but you know the guy that's maybe number 28, 29 on the panel, mm. that he's not even named on the panel, but he's in the team meeting. You know, he just mightn't think it's a serious, and through, through maybe just not understanding the part of keeping the team within house, just lets it out, tells the mother, tells the father, you know, or he's in the kitchen, and suddenly it's out like that. So I don't agree. I think the way it's gone these days, you know, just just get on with it because some rumors come out and you don't know. That, you know, it's, it's the wrong rumor. So when you hear it, like I don't think anyone changes their their team based on 
you know, rumours that are out there in the public. Um, so will Liam Cowles, no, I, will I don't. He, you don't read too much into it. Will Liam Cowles stay on, do you think? Yeah, I think he will. He's a proud man. He's a tough man from Ballingarry up the road. He won't leave it like that. Um, mm. He'll go back there and try and right a few wrongs. And I think maybe learn a few lessons, as you said, maybe, you know, come quietly into the championship. You know, like you can turn up and not not win, but on purpose. But yeah. maybe try and come in quieter into the championship. Brian Lowen deserves mention, doesn't he? I mean, he said his tenure were like COVID years and tough, and now they've really blossomed here in 2022. Shane O'Donnell five points from play. Peter Duggan really good at the weekend. David Sherrill two three from midfield, and that's with some big names rested. And I think everybody's looking forward to this Munster final. To what extent now are Clare genuine contenders? What's your what's your pecking order after Limerick? Yeah, and, and just your point on Brian Lowen and you know the way he's seen as a tough taskmaster, tough guy. Um, you know, everyone is straight down the line. Like Parag was in college down UL. Right. And Brian Lowen was the manager down there and he loved him. So what would he what, what would he what would he say about him? Just over chatting about hurling, just genuine hurling man, and a, a relate to be a relationship build up or a personality about him. So he's not just this, you know, um, emotionless person that just stands there and barks out orders. Um, just maybe an insight into Brian Lowen that maybe people wouldn't know, and I don't know Brian terribly well myself. Hmm. I've met him on, on quite a few occasions, but but I think that's nice to hear, isn't it? That you know he came out with great. You know, talk, talk great things of Brian Lone after his couple of years in college with him. So, listen, so while he is tough, Taskmaster, it's no, I suppose, surprise that he is getting the best out of Tony Kelly. He, Peter Duggan, is back from Australia. Shane O'Donnell, who was wondering last year, will he ever hurl again after the concussion? He's coming back. You know, a manager would definitely play a major part in all that. Mm. And the big thing, I think, for, for, for Brian Lone is because of his hurling days, he was so heroic. The clear supporters, are just 100% behind him and the team. So when you go to Ennis, it's like going into a cauldron. So I think you ask me, where do they, they, they fit in the calendar? At the moment, you know, they, when you talk about players, they're in the flow. I think this clear team at the moment, they're in the flow. Yeah. How could they not be? They dropped six of their starters and they still, what, they win by 10 or 15 points. Like that's amazing stuff really I think this clear team at the moment are in the flow Joe and you know with the condensed schedule now it's not like you have to be in the flow for long like you just catch fire for a month and a half and you're good you know like July 17th will come around quickly so um, they're in with a chance what about Cork then before we wrap up clock is coming against us Uh, Tipperary were off to a lightning start in this game 1-3 to no score and they still lose by 12 so that's an impressive Cork tally of 3.30 uh, interestingly, Cork fans outnumber Tip fans at Semple Stadium pretty comfortably as well, which uh, paints a picture of where Tipperary hurling is. Kieran Joyce to six, Coleman to seven. Two points from play for Coleman. That's where he burst onto the scene. I think that's where we want to see him. Yeah, and then just a point on the Cork supporters, as you said, Joe, I wouldn't really pay too much heed in regards to criticism of the Tipperary supporters on that one. And I'll tell you why. When we were playing them in the the zero zeros, the Cork supporters were unbelievable. I don't know where they got the tickets for the All Ireland finals. We let them in a couple, but they definitely outnumbered the the, the Kilkenny supporters. And it wasn't that Kilkenny fans were mad to go as well. Yeah. It's just it's a mad sporting county. They love their hurling. Hurling is number one, so they will follow them to the the ends of the earth. They were obviously confident after last weekend after turning over Watford. So they smelt the victory that they knew they're. 
that their season was in their own hands if they won against Tipperary, who hadn't been going well. So they smell, you know, they smell uh, victory. So Mark Coleman, I thought it was a, a major decision to take out Tim O'Matney out of that back line and put him up front. I know he's only coming on as a sub, but he's making huge contributions in the forward line. I think it settles down with Joyce in their back and Mark Coleman in the back line with him. They're not bombing forward the whole time. Yes, if the opportunity, Joe, as you said, to score a couple of points comes, they will go and take a pass. But they're not bombing forward the whole time. They're not making 10, 11, 12 runs. They're, they know their number one duty is to defend. I think that's why um, we're seeing you know, a change, I suppose, in, 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 in their look. I spoke about it at the start of this podcast. When they get the ball, they're not trying to take through the tackles. They are releasing it quick. And that's whether it's fast into the full forward line or whether it's fast to midfield or half fast back across the field. They're releasing the secondary ball quickly. And I think that's having a major impact on their, on, on their victories. And the last thing I'd say is, and I pointed it out here a couple of times, Joe, is they now know that hurling is a game of, of two sides mm. when you have the ball and when you don't have the ball. Without the ball, I'm starting to notice guys popping up. We've seen Harnedy the last couple of weeks he's like a man possessed Shane Kingston is offering huge amount defensive defensively uh, Robbie O'Flynn is putting in the tackles and sure you know leave it alone for Lahan. Lahan is after turning back the clock and I think it's a lesson to every young hurler every old sportsman in, in the world he could have easily said when Kingston asked him back in the panel this year no you got rid of me last year you can go to hell I am not coming back and you can you know you know live and die by the sword no he said I'll, I'll be back and look at this season he's having like he's in hurler of the year type form at the moment like for a guy of his age to score like listen I know he's probably only 29, 30 but after being dropped come back and score 6, 7, 8 points from play and he's done this on huge occasions so he's done it in county finals he's done it in Munster championship games beforehand so big three cheers there for Lahan hmm. uh, Last one why are Tipperary so poor? They're in transition they're after, like <clears throat> this is the the that's the, that's the party line, but I don't think they should be this poor. Uh, the class of 2010 or class, like these guys are contesting or winning all Ireland's since 2008. Mm. They were shocked, I'd say, in the All-Ireland semi-final. I'd say that was against, was it in the All-Ireland semi-final 08, but the All-Ireland final 09 on, they've been in either All-Ireland finals, winning them, losing them, or nearly there, semi-finals. So it can't go on forever. And... The, the, the big difference is usually if you want to, 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 I suppose, go on for another couple of years, you have to bring in young players gradually, not all together. And they kept on to their class of, of 2010. You know, the Paddy Mars, the Bonner Mars, Bubbles, Noel McGrath, all these guys, they're still the main players on their team. And as someone said to begin, it's up to the young players to play well and get rid of them. You see, it does suggest, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying suggestion for Tipperary in that Sheedy would have known he needed to move things on and looked at what was there and made the decision not to do it. And he would have known, geez, this is a real short-term move, but it does suggest that there could be a bit of a, a gap here to a next golden generation. And that is worrying for Tipperary, unless there's more in these young players than we're seeing just now. Yeah, well, you see, when you're given the job as manager, Joe, it's, it, it's different if you're the chairman for five or six years. You have a long-term view. If you're the manager and you're only there for two or three years, is your job to win that All Ireland? Is that what your, you know? Oh, I, sorry, is I think I, I think Sheedy's totally entitled to do that if that's what he thought, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and you're asking me then, is there going to be a gap? Well, you see, 
when they won their under 20 all Ireland's, under 21 all Ireland's, under Liam Cal, they weren't the hot favourites. It was Cork were the hot favourites. Like Cork beat them by gee, a cricket score in one of the Munster finals. And Liam Cal made a host of changes. They came back and they totally shocked uh, Cork in that All Ireland final. This is again the following year they were, you know, they weren't the, the, the favourites. So it's not that the, you know, it's not that these guys were stars from underage. They have won All Ireland's, but um, I think just it, it, it might take time, Joe. It might take time. Yeah. And your black and amber heart bleeds for them, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to see. Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, great stuff. Any anything? Have we missed anything there? Any other points you want to make about hurling at large at the moment? Well, I'm off to an under 13 schools county final here now, Joe. So we're in the county final in Nolan Park. Haven't been there in a good few years. Breda Holmes, principal out there, is after doing huge work all year. So if, I don't know. Lovely. My mind has been off in this <laughs> in this session because uh, just can't wait to get in there. Know all the young players in there, and uh, just a big big day for us, you know. 